fascinated by all things skincare? Inspired by the creativity of beauty products and services and the people who deliver them? Or are you curious about what's going on behind the scenes in this $90 billion a year industry we just can't seem to get enough of? Then welcome to the Orchid Skin Company podcast, where beauty isn't just skin deep. I'm your host, Lauren Hum, licensed cosmetologist, permanent makeup artist, and spa owner. I share with you my knowledge, tricks of the trade, and intriguing insights on all things skincare, beauty, and a little bit of life. Dive with me into the topics that will inform and inspire you to change the things that are no longer working for you so that you can live the life you truly want. I believe beautiful, healthy skin is a great place to start. It's time to do this for yourself. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. So I'm going to just start off by telling you a little joke that I like to tell people, and that is that I have twins. I don't really have twins. I have a son who's three years old, but whenever I say I have twins, I'm referring to my business, my microblading business. And I say that because when I started my training to learn microblading, it was the same week that my son was born. And for the next six months, I did my training. I did a lot of homework, built my business, did all of that from my sofa with a newborn in one arm and a laptop in the other. So Whenever I say I have twins, I really do feel like I have twins sometimes. I feel like my business is my other baby. And any of you that maybe have your own business can completely understand what I mean whenever I say that. And so because of that, I wanted to do a podcast on my other baby, which is microblading. And I'm looking forward to sharing all of this with you. It's definitely the most popular service that I do, mostly because it's pretty much the only service I do. I do microblading and I do permanent eyeliner and that is it. So when I say it's my baby, I really mean that it's very personal. It's very close to me. And that sounds silly. Just, you know, it's like a service that I do, but it's, it's what I do. It's my, for sure, my specialty. So it has a lot of meaning to me, not only because it's just the only thing that I do, but also because I have seen over the years, the last three years of doing this, just the incredible impact that it can have in some people's lives that I never would have expected. So I'm going to kind of take you back when I first started doing this, which was three years ago. And as I'm recording this now, it's May of 2020. And I got started with this in May of 2017. And at the time, it was picking up popularity in more of like the East and West Coast. But here in Arkansas, it definitely had not become as popular as it is now. And not very many people were doing it. There were a few, but it had not exploded onto the beauty scene. It wasn't in every salon kind of the way it is now. Here we are years later. And let me just say that over the last three years, it has been less of a roller coaster and more like a rocket launch experience. And it has yet to slow down. When I first started, I saw this as a trend. I believed that we might get a couple of years out of this. This would be something I could do on the side. For those of you who don't know, whenever I first started entering the beauty industry, I started as a hairstylist and I thought that microblading would maybe be something I could do on the side to earn a little bit of extra money as I was building up my clientele and was just getting started and really knew nothing of what to expect about how my career was going to develop. Uh, Within six months, I was able to quit doing hair and focus 100% on microblading. And here I am three years later, and that has not changed. I wanted to talk about this because There are a lot of questions going on around microblading, even though it's been 
around and it's become very popular that I still think that there's so much confusion about and maybe you're considering microblading and you have these questions yourself. So I thought it would be a great opportunity to record this episode so that anybody who's considering having the service could have this as an educational reference point. So the three main things that I wanted to talk about in this was what this service is and why you would want it. So you can see the benefit of how this service could have a benefit in your life. I wanted to walk you through and explain to you how the process works. So there are no surprises if you decide to go through with this. And just so you feel as comfortable as possible through the whole process. And finally, I wanted to walk through the most frequently asked questions so you are fully informed to make your own decisions about whether or not this is for you. So I wanted to keep this episode casual and talk to you as if you were in my shop, sitting in my chair, and I was just going through the consultation process with you. So hopefully if you've made it that far to where you were sitting in my chair, you would already kind of know what microblading was, but maybe if you gave me a call and you were just starting out and you wanted to have a phone call conversation with me, this is basically what I would tell you is that microblading is a tattoo process. It is the um, one method of implanting pigment into the skin. And we do so in a pattern of natural hair growth by using little lines. So we just create little tiny tattooed lines in the pattern of natural hair growth so that when it's healed, it resembles the look of natural hair. So that's kind of the difference between more of a solid tattoo that you might think of versus microblading is the being able to see those distinct little lines. That's what gives that very natural hair-like appearance and what makes a lot of people very drawn to the look of microblading versus a more filled-in shaded brow, which some people do not view as natural looking as microblading. So why would somebody want to have microblading done? Well, if you lived through the 90s, you probably already know why somebody would want it. Two main reasons. One is either your hair just naturally fell out or you overplucked it. But either way, it's just a loss of hair. If you are dealing with a lack of hair in your eyebrows, less hair in your eyebrows than what you want, then microblading is a solution to that problem. Some people will lose hair due to thyroid conditions. I see that a lot. Some people have had chemotherapy. Some people just naturally as they have aged, things have come out, hormone issues, you know, pregnancy will cause all sorts of hormonal changes. And some people lose their eyebrows during, during pregnancy. Some people overpluck their eyebrows and they never come back. Some people could possibly have had an injury where a scar, you know, busted their eyebrow open as a child or something and now have scar tissue in there hoping that maybe microblading could fill in that area where there's a scar and hair quit growing back. Someone who is very active, who likes to work out or swim or work outside and feels like their eye makeup is always running off or they're sweating it off, it's being wiped away or anybody who just wants to save time in the mornings. And who who could that not apply for? I mean, maybe you are the type of person who you love that morning ritual of applying your makeup and spending a long time, but there are a lot of women out there who frankly do not enjoy that process. And if they can cut out a few minutes of having to do just that one extra step to hurry up and get out the door, it's worth it to them. They're, they're going to be looking for ways 
to save money and time. Those are the top two things. If you can save somebody money or time, they're sold on a service and you can definitely save a lot of time with having your eyebrows microbladed and possibly even money, depending on what type of eyebrow, like if you're using certain types of brow makeup, certain cosmetic companies or certain products that are makeup products can be very expensive. And depending on how quickly you're running through those, microblading might possibly be a money-saving service as well. It does have a higher price point. We'll get to that more at the end. But if you consider how much you're spending on brow makeup and pencils and things like that, it is possible that microblading could save you money on that, but it's absolutely going to save you time. Okay. So if you kind of feel like you are somebody who could benefit from this service, but you are curious about what it actually takes to have this done, this is the point where I would walk you through that whole process. So if you came and saw me, you decided this is for you, you see all the benefits that microblading can add to your life and you're ready to have it done, but you want to know what do I have to go through to get this? This is when I would walk you through and explain all of this to you. So when you would first come into my office, we always have some paperwork to do. It is considered a tattoo procedure. So it is regulated by the health department. So we do have to keep records. So there will be a list of questions and things like that that you would have to answer and provide some personal information. We would walk through any contraindications. Hopefully those would would have been addressed during a phone call or whenever you were booking your appointment. But things like if you're pregnant, you cannot receive a microblading service while you're pregnant or while you're breastfeeding. If you're actively on chemotherapy, it is not advised. There are some other things like that. If you have active or open acne lesions in the brow area, that's a problem. We would need to have that cleared up before we could do it. Sunburns, we don't need to have a a non-healed sunburn, obviously. I mean, if you're sunburned, you don't need to have it done. You would just have to wait until that's not the case anymore. A few other things If you have previously tattooed brows, that's going to be, if you're talking about just me as an artist, I would probably just want to look and see first. Some people I'm able to improve the look of them. Some people I don't feel comfortable doing it. So it's really a case by case basis. And that's true for most artists. There are some artists who just do not work on other people's previous microblading or tattooed brows or anything like that. So that's just going to be a case by case basis. So if that's your situation, you'd need to make sure to talk beforehand to me or whatever artist you choose to go with and make sure that they are aware of that and go from there. So after all of that, everything's cleared. If you don't have any of those issues, then you would come back into my room and we'd kind of just talk about what is it that you're looking for? That's the first thing, right? It's like, why are you here? Like, if I could make you in your mind, what can I do to make you happy? And this is the point and your opportunity as a client to communicate with me, what are your goals for this? Are your goals to have a big fluffy brow? Do you want a thin arched brow? Are you looking for a little bit of help to just kind of give you a guide so that you can continue to add makeup if you want, but just give you a little something to work with? Or do you want like such a bold brow that you feel like you do not have to ever put makeup on and you're just makeup ready when you wake up. This would be the chance for us to have a conversation about what your expectations are and then address them accordingly. And sometimes what somebody wants is very possible 
And as long as I know that we're able to achieve that outcome. And sometimes what people are hoping for or expecting from the service may not be possible or realistic. And this is the opportunity to have that conversation. So some things about realistic expectations, I guess you would say, is that if you are wanting a very light color, you may expect that it's not going to last quite as long, things like that. And I'll kind of walk through a little bit more at the end about some of those frequently asked questions where we address things like how long does it last, that kind of thing. But I definitely just always want to make sure that I have a conversation with people at the very beginning to set an expectation that's realistic so that everybody is on the same page and we're happy with the end result of what is possible for this service and what is not. After we've kind of had that conversation, that's when we'll do the brow mapping. And pretty much my philosophy is to always stick as closely as possible with what you naturally already have and to just enhance it. So I don't believe in completely recreating and making somebody look like a different person. Even if somebody only has just a very small amount of brow hair, believe it or not, there is usually enough there that I can at least have a guide of how their natural arch falls and how their brow most likely looked at some point in time, which is going to be just the most natural way to try to recreate what's not there. There are some universal guidelines that I do follow with lining the start of the brow to the end of the brow where you line line up the corner of the mouth to the corner of the nose through the corner of the eye to start, things like that. There are some universal rules. As far as thickness and width goes, I let the natural hair growth tell me how thick it needs to be. And then we can kind of tweak from there. If somebody wants to lean more toward a thinner brow, we can definitely lean more in that direction or thicker either way. But I, my personal philosophy is to keep it looking as natural as possible and make the client look like the best version of themselves, not like someone else. So if you have pictures, I love to see pictures. Feel free to show me what you think is beautiful. I do think that it leads me in a direction to see your personal taste. But if your expectation is that myself or any artist can recreate somebody else's eyebrows on your face, you might be disappointed because bone structure, skin texture, everything about your unique physiology plays into how your end result of microblading or any other brow enhancement, shaping, whatever, will factor into the end result. And it's more of a realistic expectation to be an enhanced best version of yourself versus trying to look like someone else. And that's honestly so true any aspect of any beauty service that you could ever have. So once we've shaped out the brows, we do draw a shape on where you're able to fully see the outline and the shape that I would create your brow within. Some of you, if you follow me on social media, you may have seen like all those crossed lines. It's like this geometry mapped out line graph on somebody's face. You may have seen that. It does look a little funny, but all of those lines do help to ensure as close as symmetry as possible. And you can tell what the natural shape will be. After everybody's happy with the shaping, then we look at coloring. So Most artists are going to have a wide variety of colors. Most colors are going to be able to be mixed with one another to custom blend. I have a selection of about 30 different colors, all of which can be mixed. So if color is your concern, fear not. There is 
something for everyone. And the best way I have found for the most natural looking brow is to try to match the client's natural brow hair color or roots of their hair on their head. That tends to just be the most natural color that can be achieved. So after we select a color, after we have the shaping done, then it's time to actually microblade the client. So before we kind of do all of this, you will have had a topical numbing cream applied to the brow area. It sits for about 15 to 30 minutes. It will take the edge off a little bit. However, you will not be completely numb. The um, discomfort level varies from client to client, but most people say it's not that bad. The actual microblading part of the procedure takes about 45 minutes, I would say. And you would start on one brow, making those little lines in the pattern of natural hair growth, using the natural hair that is already there as a guide for how to lay that pattern. You would do one light pass where you just barely scratch the surface of the skin, just enough to be able to kind of see where you made those lines and just enough to open up the skin. And at that point, you would apply another topical typically a lidocaine and epinephrine gel. It's an over-the-counter product that is applied to the skin and left on while you work on the other brow. So at that point, the skin's kind of been opened and you've applied a second layer of that lidocaine, which is a anesthetic. And at that point, the brow area has gone very numb. So then you would finish up on the other side, come back, and go a little bit deeper with the strokes, you'd pass back over those same little indigents that you made. At this point, most clients are completely numb. They really cannot feel anything at all. All the while, I'm using a tool, a microblading tool. It is a handheld tool that resembles an X-Acto knife. It looks like that, except the needles are not just one solid blade. They are a grouping of usually about 12 to 16 tiny, tiny needles all lined up in a straight line, and they're used to just scrape the skin. Those little lines are made with the microblading tool. All the while, you are dipping the tool into a pigment cup that holds the custom blended color selection. And so that is how the pigment is being implanted into the skin. After everything is finished up and you have gone over both sides and you feel confident that, or I feel confident as the artist, that the pattern looks nice, that the strokes, the little strokes, that's what I call the little lines, are the correct depth that the pigment has been placed properly, then I will slather the pigment onto the brow area and massage it in gently and then leave it on for about 15 minutes. So we call this masking the pigment and this just allows that pigment to really settle in to those little strokes that we've made into the skin so that when it heal, when the skin heals, the pigment will be where we want it to be and then you will be able to see those crisp, nice little lines. At that point, your the numbing cream has probably started to fade away some, so you're probably going to have a little bit of a stinging, burning sensation. It probably feels like you have a few dozen paper cuts on your brow area, which is exactly what you have. At that point, we kind of clean you up. We typically take an after picture so you can have something to compare. That's everybody's favorite part. Whenever I compare their before picture to their after picture, put them side by side. And that's where everybody just like looks up at me with their eyes big and they go, oh my gosh, oh wow, that looks so natural. I can't believe I have brows. And that is the most rewarding, gratifying part of the whole process. I love that moment with my clients whenever they finally see their brows for the first time and they get to compare what they looked like just an hour before. It is the best part of my job. I absolutely love it. After that, I'll kind of walk through aftercare with you typically. For ever, This will vary from artist to artist, but my personal method of aftercare is 
I have you wash them with a little antibacterial soap like Dial, uh, just a liquid soap like that. And then you're going to apply an aftercare cream that I send home with you for about a week. During that time, you're going to want to avoid heavy sweating, which means uh, maybe take a few days off from the gym. Some artists are more strict about those than others. I've just seen enough people at this point where I feel like a full two weeks of asking everybody to quit everything just to let their brows heal, I feel has been a little bit of an overkill. I've relaxed some of those standards over time and results have been great with no adverse effects and a much more convenient experience for the client. So that seems to work well for the people that I work with. So I would say a few days off from the gym, definitely no beach trip. That's one thing that I am pretty strict about is the sun exposure during that two week healing process needs to not happen. You need to wear a hat for sure. Taking a shower. I think that if a little bit of water gets on them while you're in the shower, washing your hair, I do not believe that that is detrimental to the healing process. I do not think that you need to sit in a hot tub or jacuzzi or go swim laps, but just taking a shower, I I do not believe that there's there's reason enough to inconvenience clients by telling them not to do that or you know that they have to lay down in a tub to wash their hair or go to a hair salon and have them have their hair shampooed for those first few days. It's just doesn't seem to be that big of a deal. Uh, you'll need to keep the aftercare cream on and then microblading is a two-step process. So you would come back in about a month to two months and there it's likely that there will be a few little spots that don't quite take. You may have been concerned about going too dark. So we may have chosen a lighter color. And now after you've lived with them for a month and you're a little bit more comfortable with how the process works, maybe you would choose at that time to go over a second time and kind of fill in with a little bit of a darker color. Maybe some of the symmetry might need to be tweaked a bit. It's not uncommon that after it's all done and we clean you up, maybe there's one that's like slightly shorter or you need to come in a little bit here. Those little things are just just kind of part of it for me. Maybe there's somebody, an artist out there who's better than me who can get it just perfect every single time, but I'm not quite there yet. So I allow that second little touch-up session to come in so that if there's any little tweaking like that, we can address it. And then hopefully by the end of that process, they are perfect and you love them. So that's not to say that they look bad after the first one at all, that second touch-up appointment is just a chance to address any concerns that you might have and just ensure that you are fully happy with how they look. So some of the main questions that I get asked about microblading, the probably the number one question that I get asked is how long does it last? And I hate that the answer always has to be it depends, but it's true. It so depends on so many different factors, color choice, skin type, lifestyle, what you're starting with, everything, how you take care of them. There are so many different factors. If you are very fair complected with very dark hair, meaning your skin is very, very white and you have black eyebrows and we choose a very, very dark brown pigment to microblade your brows, that's naturally going to last longer than somebody who is tan skin and wants a very light brown or blonde brow. So pigment color choice, contrast of pigment color to skin color. Oily skin tends to not keep the pigment as well. Overall skin health is the number one contributing factor to how long your microblading not only lasts, but just your overall quality of just end result. The better condition your skin is in, the better your results are going to be consistently. There are some people who I feel 
like their skin is not in the condition that I feel confident that their microblading results are going to be a result that I feel good standing behind. So there will be some clients who, unfortunately, I do make the decision to not service because if I cannot 100% stand behind my work, I would rather not take you on as a client. It typically results in disappointment all around. And it's something that I've just learned that it's better to just not try and fail to then, you know, I think everybody understands what I'm trying to say. But um, yes, so there are certain clients who are not good candidates for it. And so those are some that's another very frequently asked question. So what are the contraindications? One, if you're pregnant, if you're nursing, some of those things for sure, but also just that overall skin quality. If your skin is in very deep need of some more advanced exfoliation, if you have a big, thick buildup of dead skin cells, your results are not going to be as great. So I always encourage people to maybe get a facial or two or 10, you know, I mean, it's just depends on where you're starting from. The better health your skin is in, the better your results are going to be. And the people who are using good quality skincare and getting regular treatments consistently are the people who I see walking out of my shop with the most beautiful microblading results out of anyone. So you have these done and then over time, how does it change? Okay, so that's a huge question that I get asked. So like, how does the color, does it just fade away? What happens? So there's a few different ways of what could happen to your brows over time. One, the most ideal thing that could happen is that they just slowly fade away on tone, which means the color does not shift. They just stay whatever shade of brown it is that we've chosen and they just get lighter and lighter over time. That is the most ideal and I would say probably the most common thing that happens. Now, there are also two other things that can happen. One, they can go very cool or gray, meaning they'll kind of turn purple, blue, or gray. You see that a lot with people who have had their eyebrows tattooed a long time ago and just over time, those are the colors. That is probably less common for what I see. That typically happens whenever somebody's skin is very, very thin and the pigment was implanted too deeply. Now, that doesn't mean that it was done because the artist was negligent or incompetent, but if somebody has very, very thin skin, we're not machines, we're doing the best we can as an artist, but it can simply just occur that pigment is implanted to a level where you get that cooler tone. If that's the case, there's not a whole lot that can be done for eyebrows that have been have kind of turned that kind of color. You can kind of have them redone, touched up with a warmer shade. That is a little bit harder to achieve a correction on, but it has happened and I have been able to see good results and have helped some clients who that has happened. The more common color shift that I see in microblading is to get a more for them to fade off to a warmer tone. So maybe a coral reddish kind of rusty kind of color. And that is because whenever we're creating the color brown, you're mixing the three primary colors. So you're using yellow, blue, and red together to create brown. As that pigment fades over time, there's less blue and yellow in those colors. So they tend to kind of fade away faster and you're left with more of a red. While that's not ideal, of course, we don't really want to see that. If that does happen, don't worry. That's probably the easiest correction that can be done. Come back in 
schedule uh, your your yearly touch-up. And at this point, we know that your skin does tend to pull a little bit red faster. It tends to metabolize that slower. So we're going to add in what's called a modifier color. It's going to be the opposite of red, which is green. I'm getting into a little bit of color theory. And we'll just mix a little tint, a little bit of extra green to neutralize that red. And it usually does the trick like that and um, with great results. So how long does it actually last? It kind of just depends. But I would say that like one of those color boost appointments where you would come in and just kind of want to have them refreshed. I would say between one to three years is probably pretty common. Some people maybe sooner, some people could go longer. But industry standard, I would aim around that one to three year mark. And so finally, the last two questions that are probably the most common, like once we've gone through all of that, there's two things that will for sure, like every, all of that can sound great. People are ready to go in, but then there's two things that they need to know before they're ready to pull the trigger on it. And that is one, does it hurt? (laughs) And two, how much does it cost? So does it hurt? Again, it depends. However, I would say that as I have gone through doing this over the last three years, more consistently, I am getting less people who say it hurts. For the most part, I would say 80% of my clients say it does not hurt. It's a little uncomfortable. They would compare it to the discomfort of tweezing or waxing maybe, but the lidocaine topical creams and gels do tend to work pretty well. There are some people who, yes, they do say it is uncomfortable. If you are having it done and you are experiencing discomfort that is more than you feel like you can bear, please speak up because sometimes it's just a matter of lightning pressure until that second dose of lidocaine gel can be applied will end any discomfort. You know, it will make it more bearable. For the most part, I would say, though, most people would rate the discomfort on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the worst. I would say they they tell me it's somewhere around a three, a two or a three. Okay, and then how much does it cost? So you are going to see quite a variable cost whenever it comes to microblading. You're going to see quite a range. And that is all going to depend on one, where you're located and two, the experience and quality of work that you're receiving from the individual artist. So I would say anywhere from to $1,500 is probably average, you know, standard across the board. I'm sure there are people who are doing less and there are some people who are doing more. I would say kind of a good middle of the road is somewhere around $700 to $800 is about average across the entire United States. And that typically should include your touch up but that's just a preference of the the artist of how they want to price structure. Some people will just bundle it and pay it all in one lump fee. Some people will split it up and you pay for each service as you come. So I would just consider that into your pricing as well. Like I said, the artist's experience and quality is 100% going to be reflective in the price. My prices have gone up as I have done this longer because the level and quality of service that I'm able to provide in the end result is much better than it was whenever I first started, just like anything else. Okay, I hope that this kind of wrapped everything up. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I hope that this podcast episode was able to explain to you what microblading is, what you can get from it, like what are the benefits it can provide for your life, how the process works, what to expect whenever you are getting this done, who it is for, who it's not for, 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. This was one that I knew I was going to get a lot of attention. It's microblading is by far just like what I'm most known for and what I get asked about the most. So this has been kind of a long time in the making doing something like this that can just kind of live out there and answer some of these questions that I get asked all the time. I know there's so many questions and just hopefully not too much confusion, but just curiosity around the topic. And if this made that any easier for you to decide, I am grateful that you listened. I am so happy to have you here on the Orchid Skin Company podcast, and I hope you will subscribe and stay tuned. Just go up to your podcast player and click subscribe and you will get new episodes delivered straight to your podcast app every week. If you'd like to connect with me on social, you can find me on Instagram at Orchid Skin Co. I will leave a link in the show notes for if you're interested in booking with me, I'll leave a link to our online booking also to our Instagram. Again, thank you so much. I'm your host, Lauren Hum. Till next time. Bye guys. Bye.